Hello again, everyone. Welcome to the Red and White Authority. I'm Art Regner. This is episode 65, and our special guest today is the Red Wing strength and conditioning coach, Mike Kadar, a, a man who's on the cutting edge in so many ways, but we're going to just hone in on his uh, 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 strength and condi- conditioning duties uh, uh, for the Red Wing. So with that uh, great introduction, uh, let's bring uh, uh, Mike into uh, the Red and White Authority. Mike, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. How are you today? I'm doing well, thank you. Um, I guess my first question is is that, uh, you know, I read your life story about growing up in a farm and, you know, how unbeknownst to you at that time that uh, it actually prepared you for what you're doing now, being a strength and conditioning coach. Can you elaborate a little bit on maybe what led you down this path? Well, I think at the end of the day, I just wasn't a good enough hockey player. So um, the next best thing for me at the time was, well, if, if I can't be a hockey player, how can I still be involved in the sport? And that's kind of how it just evolved. I just I, I had a passion and interest for it. And I knew by, you know, doing odd jobs after university that, that uh, I needed to be in hockey. And that's basically what I did. So I just put my nose down and and uh, made a, a goal that that was what I wanted to do. And here I am, 16 letters, uh, lucky enough to be in the league still. Well, I mean, it, it wasn't, were you always kind of, quote-unquote, for lack of a better term, a workout fiend? I mean, you weren't taking, like, gallon buckets of milk and, like, uh, you know, uh, pumping them up or, you know, lifting them up and down or doing pull-ups. Or were you always physically active? I was. And you know what? Growing up on a farm, waking up early in the morning, you've got, you know, cows to milk, uh, pigs to feed, eggs to collect, different things like that. So you're always doing something. But I always had a passion for uh, for health and performance and that sort of thing. So it was, it was uh, it's always kind of been there with me, I think, yeah. When you uh, uh, look at strength and conditioning and where it is today, it always seems that every time you turn around, and maybe it's in the, uh, you know, the age of, uh, you know, in- instantaneous information, every time I turn around, whether it's t- Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or something, there always seems to be different studies or different people telling you you should exercise this way. Is it difficult for you, even though I know you run core um, uh, core sticks and that you're yourself a bit of an innovator but do people have to be aware a little bit of maybe some of these methods or what's going out there i guess what i'm asking you is is there is there some charlatans in this profession yeah you know what it's funny and it seems like it's just been i don't know the last number of years where it's just like you get all this convoluted information of what's right and what isn't right and and uh, it seems like the more you read, the, the maybe the more you get confused or, or you don't know as much as you thought you, you knew at the time. But um, I think for me, what I've done in my career is I've just focused in on guys that were reputable, that I knew about, that, referred, that, that were referred to me. Um, guys such as uh, Charles Poliquin, who is a big strength, he's a world-renowned renowned, uh, strength coach. Uh, Mike Boyle out of Boston. I love his stuff. Uh, great cook with with functional movement stuff like that. So I think you just have to really hone in on on people that are credible and and, and then read what they have to offer and, and then kind of you know work it in and, and into your your workouts or your philosophy or whatever it might be. 
what's a, a, a basic person who might want to start getting into shape? What would you say to them? How uh, We always hear moderation, but, you know, human nature has us, if we're going to commit to something, you know, most people totally commit to it, go hard at it, and then burn out and never go back to it. I mean, what what is the best way for someone to, you know, to start this journey towards being more physically fit? Well, I think you need two sets of goals. I think you need your short-term and your long-term goals. And, and uh, like, say, if you're going to run a marathon, you just don't go out and run a marathon. You've kind of got to work up to that. And it takes, you know, weeks or months to prepare for something like that. So, um, uh, you know, I, I guess it's one thing where you can get somebody excited to, to want to change their lives and do something good. But you have to kind of... Um, you know, reflect and put things in perspective and, and just make small steps along the way and, and celebrate all those little goals that you attain. If you exercise, and I know Lisa McDowell might kill me for this, do you, if you're exercising and you're, you know, getting the 30 minutes, whatever, cardio or a day or, or whatever, and you're pretty diligent about doing it, can you eat whatever you want? Well, that's a tough question. I, I, you know, I think if... Is there one diet made for everybody out there? Uh, no, there's not. There's some people that burn carbs uh, more efficiently than others. Some people uh, do better on a higher protein diet. So uh, it all comes down to body type. And uh, yeah, calories burn. I think calories in, calories out. Uh, if you put them in, you burn them. You know, they're, they're going to go off. But it's it's you're going to burn them off. But it's also um, you are what you eat, and I totally believe in that. Uh, it just, it's always kind of resonated with me throughout my life and, and growing, uh, growing up on a farm. We always had really good, uh, you know, vegetables, fresh grown vegetables. And we used to butcher our own beef and, and poultry and stuff. So uh, I totally believe in organic uh, food as well. So, uh, but it, it doesn't mean you can't slide a piece of cheesecake in once in a while and, and work that off in your 30 minute workout a little bit later. It's, I don't think it's, it's a big deal. You have it every day it probably might be an issue at some point. Well, I, I know Lisa, who's been on, Lisa McDowell, the team nutritionist, has been on this podcast uh, uh, several times, a big fan, a big fan of yours. Uh, you know, she always says eat the ra- rainbow, but, you know, you can have a pizza and you'd be eating the rainbow. I mean, but so, but that's not good for you. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's You know what, I'll take you back to 2008, 2009 with Pittsburgh, because I used to work for Pittsburgh, played Detroit Red Wings. Uh, we had no food. When all those overtime games, what were we doing? We were eating pizza between periods. Why? There are carbs. Uh, there's a little bit of fat and, and uh, some protein in it. So it was something you kind of quickly get in. I wouldn't use that as, as a staple uh, for training by any means. But, you know, sometimes once in a while just to kind of to fill the void in, in certain situations isn't a bad thing either, if, uh, <laughs> if need be, right? Right. Well, I mean, I guess uh, are you kind of telling us that in a roundabout way, when the Penguins won the Cup in 2009, Little Caesars had a hand in it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And uh, that's why I'm extremely fortunate to be here in Detroit this day. So it's awesome. Oh, yeah. You have been the strength and conditioning coach. I know you started out in, uh, uh, in college at Red Deer and then the, the Manche- uh, Manchester Monarchs and the AHL. Then, you know, at, at a relatively young age, you become the strength and conditioning uh, coach for the LA Kings. You move over to Pittsburgh in 2007 and 8, and then you've been here 
uh, in Detroit since 2015-16. Um, from the time you began to where strength and conditioning is, how different is it for you? Have you really had to alter it, or does it come down to you know, like four basic principles or whatever it is? Uh, it's changed a lot. In the last 16 years, it, when I first started, it was all about everything you ever heard from any coach or GM or, or scout was this guy has to get bigger and he's got to get stronger. It was never a talk about he had to get faster or more mobile. Mobile. Um, and that's exactly where we're at today. It's it's more like sure we got to be big and strong, but you have to be able to move. Uh, and back then, 16 years ago, we weren't thinking too much about moving. We were just trying to get guys big and strong. That's all it was. Well, you know what's interesting about that, and I, and I know I told you yesterday when we were talking for a bit. I can remember Lance Parrish, Tiger catcher, all star. You know the big wheel. Uh, you know, grew up in California, and you know, I don't know if he grew up on Venice Beach or not, but he was into the exercise and lifting weights. He really wanted to lift weights. Sparky Anderson, his manager at the time for, for the Tigers, um, was not into weight training at all, thinking that the, more, the bigger you get, the bulkier you get, the more that you become slow. You, uh, you know, it, would, it would affect his swing. So Lance had to actually, in the bowels of Tiger Stadium, put, put together a weight room, which eventually was found out. And, you know, it wasn't a, a big, you know, to-do, but it was definitely uh, talked about. I am kind of curious. Lifting weight seems to be something that, People are, free weight, I guess I'm talking about, if, if that's a proper term, seems to be something that some people appear to be really into and other people appear not to be into. Where do you stand on something like that? Huh, great question. And it's, you know, the longer I'm in this league and the more people I get to get my hands onto and work with makes me even much more confused at times. Right. And, and the reason is is I used to work in L.A., as, as you mentioned, with uh, Pavel Dimitra, mm -hmm. uh, who was no longer with us. But yeah. he was he had really soft hands. Uh, he was a prolific goal scorer. And he loved, loved doing bench press all the time. That's all he would do. Every, every day he'd walk in, he was, he was doing some form of bench press. And... Um, you know, and, and, he, and he still was a skilled guy, and he could still feel his stick, and it wasn't a big deal for him. And, and uh, Marion Hosa was another guy that I had an opportunity to work with that did the same sort of thing. But then I, I, I kind of turn over to somebody like Sid um, Crosby. He's not a big weight guy, and, and, it's, and he doesn't like to feel short and tight. He wants his muscles um, so he can elongate, he can fire them quickly. And so he, he doesn't do a lot of weights uh, in season or out of season, really. Well, I, I, how does he then, for lack of a better term, and, you know, Mike, thanks for bearing with me on some of this stuff, uh, is how does he stay tone, I guess, or, or where does his strength come from? Because he's, he's obviously, not only is he a fantastic hockey player, but he's a, he, you know, he's a pretty strong man. He is. He, he absolutely is. And don't get me wrong, because Sid works his butt off. Probably uh, on, on ice, I, geez, over the years, it, it's pretty hard to, to beat him and his practice habits and how consistent he he is doing that. Um, uh, you know, I'm sorry, I lost track of your question. Well, no, that's okay. That, you know, I, I know I'm kind of jumping around a bit, and we're starting at a different point where I, I told you we were going to start the interview. But no, that's okay. I, I mean, how does how does he you know how does he tone his body? Where does his oh, strength sorry. come from? 
Yeah, you, you know, it's, it's genetics. It is. He has unreal genetics. He, he has a, a small, big frame. He's got a low center of gravity. He's got great ankle, knee, hip uh, mobility, so he can get into that low, hard uh, stride, kind of a push position. And uh, he's his nervous system turns on very quickly. I remember I used to uh, stretch him once in a while. And I would it'd be stretching him, and uh, he'd go, whoa, 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 that, that's too far. And I go, what do you mean? He said, you got like another six inches. He goes, no, no, I'm done. So his nervous system was kicking on before he ever hit end range really? muscular. Yeah. And, uh, and he was as, he's as flexible as any goalie I've seen. So it's the combination of all those different things that allow Sid Crosby to be who Sid Crosby is. And then throw, I want to be the best player in the world on top of that. It's pretty hard to uh, it's pretty hard to compete against somebody that has the total package and the mindset behind that package. Well, you know what's interesting? You bring this up, and, and as I said, I, I knew that we'd be jumping around, but you kind of touched upon something. If you don't have the desire or the passion to perform and be the very best, even though you might be, quote-unquote, a workout fiend, then you're never going to attain what goal you what you want to become because you have to commit not only uh you know as corny as it sounds you've got to commit mind and body to the cause 100 percent. there are so many guys that i've seen throughout the years that are young kids that are so skilled and they have um they've got the tools they've got the toolbox they've got all this stuff but they don't have or didn't have the mental side of the game and that's what killed them um if you're not willing to put the time and effort in to to make it to that next level or to stay at that level that you want to be at then you're dead in the water you can have all the skills that you want uh but if you don't have that compete aspect behind you you're probably not going to remain in the league that long is there have you seen players that way and you know obviously you work with them every day once you see people on a daily basis uh you know people start to form bonds you start to form friendships you start to become close with certain people have you and you don't have to name whom these players are have you over the years pulled a kid aside and said listen i know that you can bench press this or leg squat and do this many pull-ups but buddy you've got to you got to start working on the upstairs and when i mean the upstairs what's between your ears here i mean i know it might not be your place but have you ever tried to help people out that way you know what it's it's funny you ask that because even though i'm a strength and conditioning coach you're almost a psychologist a little bit <laughs> because coaches and gms can be so hard on players at times that you become the fall guy so they come in and and, and they sit down in your office and and they're telling you the coach wants this and the gm wants that and i'm not doing this right i'm not doing that right you're sometimes walking these guys off a ledge right mm -hmm. they're there for a reason you have to remind them guys there's an interest in you. You're here for a reason. You have some tangible thing that somebody else doesn't. So just get your head in the game and, and work around it and, and just prove them differently. Prove them wrong. Wow. So, well, yeah. Well, then let me ask you this. You, you, you start off at L.A. When you, um, with the Kings when you, when, when you break into the NHL. You go to Pittsburgh, wildly successful, uh, and, and then you come to Detroit. With each different stop, and you've had three of them in the NHL, uh, 
do they say, okay, Mike, this is our philosophy, this is how we want you to approach your job, and I'm sure during the interview process you tell them exactly you know, what you're all about and what you believe in, I understand that, but do you have uh, an orientation and an acclimation to get used to the system that the team wants, or do they just hand the keys over to you, so to speak, and say, Mike, this is your baby, make our guys the best ever? Yeah, um, you know, I, I like to work closely with our with our head coach, and uh, I've kind of got a dual role. So I'm a probably one of a small handful of guys that do the on ice conditioning or rehab skates with guys. Um, so what I like to do is I like to talk to the coaches. I like to learn their systems. So when I have a guy that's on the ice and he's rehabbing, I can actually work their systems in as I'm doing their reconditioning stuff. So I'm working on skills and drills that pertain to our overall system that the coaches laid out. So when a guy comes back, he's 100% confident that in his abilities to, to be able to play the system and to uh, be able to make those plays or, the, or do those skill plays that is required at that given time. Well, you know, you do, let, let's talk about Sidney Crosby. I mean, obviously, uh, he has performed at the highest level on the highest stage, including uh, much of the shurgin of our uh, American audience listening. <laughs> in the, in, in the, the Olympics scoring the game-winning goal uh, uh, in Vancouver uh, in overtime against Michigan native uh, um, Miller? Yes, Miller? Ryan, yeah. Ryan, yeah, Ryan, Ryan Miller. Miller. You know, and, and virtually every American hockey player is named Ryan. I don't know what that's all about. But anyway, <laughs> there you go. But 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 against against Ryan Miller, what you know? And, you know, we've talked, Mike. You know, I mean, Sydney is not exactly beloved here in the Motor City. But uh, what can you tell us about him? You got any anything that you know might maybe even endear the city of Detroit to Sid Crosby? Well, uh, yeah, I, I've got a, a, a little story for you, actually. And, and Sid, how you see him on TV is actually how Sid is. He's pretty laid back, reserved kind of a guy. Um, uh, yes, and, and I agree. He's not loved in a lot of different cities. We can go, you know, at the time they could go into Philadelphia and he'd get the same reception as, as Detroit. But um, for me, Sid and I had a, a love-hate relationship, quite honestly. Uh, the year and a half that he was out with his concussion, we were on the ice through the three, four times a week, and it was just him and I. So we got to know each other really well, and, and he had to kind of be creative with diff different things with them. Um, but he, he's, a, he's a good guy, and, and uh, one example of that is uh, I had to get to a, a meeting one day after practice, and Sid and a couple guys filled my truck, like – full to the brim with packing peanuts you know those white oh, packing yeah, peanuts or to the rim like 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 to the brim part you, you couldn't you open the door and it all fell out right right so and there's always these people around taking pictures and whatnot so like an hour later i knew that he did it because he was on the internet there's pictures showing that he was doing this to my vehicle <laughs> so i i threatened him that i was gonna you know mess around with his equipment, which he hated. And I'm like, well, okay, you know, in four months from now, you're going to the Olympics. I want your, uh, I want your Jersey. And he's like, no, he goes, I can't give you my Jersey. And I said, well, I want, uh, you know, I, I want your gloves. Nope. Can't give you your gloves. I, I don't even know if I get my equipment. I said, well, then, uh, uh, <laughs> there is something else. He said, well, I want five grand. He goes, I'm not going to give you $5,000. I'm like, why not? He goes, I'm just not going to. I said, okay. I said, well, when we go to uh, Edmonton, in Calgary, the area that I'm from, I said, you have to meet every single person I bring to you without any questions whatsoever. Done. I said, okay, I want 10 signed pictures. Done. 
not a problem. I said, and we, when we go to the Olympics, I want at least an Olympic puck. He's okay, I'll see what I can do. So I actually drafted uh, a contract uh, with all these items listed on it, and we both signed off on which is pretty comical. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, so when we did, we, we went out west. Um, he was he was holding babies, kissing babies. He was he met anybody and everybody that I, I wanted him to meet in Calgary, Edmonton, Vancouver. No questions asked. I got my 10 pictures signed, and uh, he goes off to the Olympics. And uh, it was a cold day in Pittsburgh. We were still in the Mellon Arena back then. And he had this big downfield jacket on. He'd come in. He's got his hands in his pockets. He walks up to the guys in the lounge eating. And he pulls out his gold medal. And, uh, you know, it just starts a conversation with guys and, and uh, about the, the medal and the game and stuff like that. And then uh, he's like, hey, Cades. And I'm like, what? He goes, come over here. So he walks across the other side of the lounge, reaches out, or reaches his hand in his pocket, pulls out this puck. It says Vancouver Olympics on it. And I reach out to grab it. As I grab it, he holds it firm. So we're both sitting there staring at each other holding this puck. <laughs> and he goes, are we even? I said, yeah, we're, we're 100% even. Are you kidding me? You got me a puck. So my whole point, I guess, about Sid was this was four months prior. But he still had... Uh, he was. He still thought about it. He, he right. said he played every single game, and there was never an Olympic puck that said Vancouver on it. Until that final game against the U.S., where he scored the overtime goal. So, um, so th- that's a pretty cool story. And since then, every um, international event he goes to, he always gets me a puck. Social Olympics, uh, World Championships, he, he brought me back a puck. So, it, to me, it's he, he's a good guy. Um, and. Uh, you know the little things that we have between us are, you know, well cherished. Well, you know, I, I guess I, I you know, to, to kind of uh, that is a wonderful story, and uh, but that wasn't the game-winning puck, right? The goal, no, the puck he no, scored no, the goal. No, 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 no. Who knows where that's at? Whether he has that or or the Hall of Fame or whoever has that Olympic whatever. But it was just a puck. But like I said, practice pucks or any game prior to that prelim games, right. they they had a puck, but it wasn't the Vancouver Olympic puck. Uh, so they had those those pucks in warm up for that particular game. So for him to even remember during warm up, four months later. That, hey, I got to get Kate's a puck. Like, you know, that's off the charts for me. No, well, no, hey, I, and, and it should be. That is, I said, that is a wonderful story. I, I, I want to ask you, and, and this is a bit of an unfair question because obviously Sidney Crosby's a standalone talent, uh, but is there a couple of Red Wing players that see you see kind of the the same makeup and not the same talent but guys that strive to be the best that they can be body uh, body and mind oh yeah absolutely uh my short amount of time here i i only had one year with with pav mm-hmm. with uh, pavel datsuk i loved him i loved his work ethic i loved his attitude i loved his approach um he was the kind of guy he was just an old school guy um we were rehabbing his ankle and he put full trust into me uh, back then. And and it was, you know, a big difference between guys back, like the older guys compared to the, the newer, maybe millennial uh, players coming in is, is they just, the old guys just trust you. Just tell me what I need to do to be successful and to get playing again and play well. And you'd say, you got to do this, 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 and this, done. 
And with the newer age players, there there's maybe a few more questions behind everything. So you need to kind of justify and be able to, to follow up your reasoning of why you want somebody to do what they need to do to be successful. But uh, but definitely Pav. Um, Z is another one. Man, you can't play this long in the NHL without preparation and mindset and, and uh, a high fitness level and just a great attitude. And you can't be that kind of a leader without all those attributes, right? So right. those two certainly, certainly stick out in my mind. Uh, I never had a chance to, to work with like Lidstrom and Eisenman and guys like that, but I, I like I don't think they were any different than it was just the whole culture and, and how it was back then, right? Right. Well, you know, I, I, as I said, we're jumping around, but you did talk about, when we talked about Sidney Crosby, you talked about concussions, and obviously headshots, it, it's something the league is trying to, uh, to uh, um, crack down on, and concussions, you know, look at the NFL, I mean, they are obviously a major issue in, in certain sports, and I am kind of curious because... Um, uh, years ago, I was sliding on the ice, and I knocked myself out, and I remember waking up and then having to go to the hospital, uh, and uh, this was in elementary school. I can remember getting to the hospital, and then I just started, I don't know, trying to gross anybody out, started to vomit, you know? I mean, yeah. just like, it, you know, I, I mean, I, I'll never forget that. I, I sort of remember sliding on the ice, and then, boom, as I said, waking up. So... And this was many, many years ago, but th there just seems to be so much information about, you know, in a dark room. I could remember, and this is probably, you know, I could only eat like ice chips for like three days. I couldn't even eat food or anything. And I was in, you know, in the hospital and I got home and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And I guess so my point being is, is that. At one time, I thought that the best thing to do is lay in a dark room and do nothing. I mean, is each concussion different, or is there something as a strength and conditioning coach you can do to help heal someone who is suffering from concussions? Well, it, it, it's tough. I think there's a role at, at some point, but initially there's got to be a healing process. Um, you have to remember it's your brain you're, you're messing right. with here. So uh, concuss gets bruised, uh, water on the brain, whatever it might be. But uh, all that I know is with my experience over the last 16 years, the league has come a long way and it could probably go a little bit further with, with what they're doing. But, um, I remember Adam Denmarsh back in the day, he was on the ice with me when, when it was the last time he actually skated as a player and we were doing a, a rehab skate and he collided with uh, Joseph Stumple, not very hard, but hard enough that he was, he was out for like, he had to retire. He was done. So, you know, with Adam, we any sort of exercise stuff that we would start with him, I had to put him on a 45-degree angle inclined bench to do a sit-up. And he could barely do it because it would make him dizzy. So the education and knowledge that we had back then, we probably shouldn't have been doing that kind of stuff. Um, but nobody knew enough about it back then, 16, right, right. 15, 16 years ago. Now there's a whole protocol, there's a process. Um, before you ever kind of get your hands on guys, they're, they're you know, well looked after medically and, and uh, given the green light to, to start working with us. All right. I, you know, I, I, I hate to, this is fascinating, as you can tell. I, I really am... Uh, uh, captivated by, by, by this topic and talking to you about it, but I, I want to jump ahead because I want to get to some, obviously, some Red Wings stuff here, and uh, um, uh, you just mentioned the young guys, uh, the young kids today may be questioning, you know, it sounds like the old thing many, many years ago, don't trust anybody over 30, but uh, uh, when last year, 11 new kids come in, 
and I know that you've been part of development camp. Red Wings are going to, if everything holds true, next weekend in Dallas on Friday and Saturday, they're going to bring in 11 new guys, and then a, a, a development camp is, uh, is the 26th through the 30th here at the Belfort Center at Little Caesars Arena, open to the public. If you're interested, you can register online. And, uh, you know, so that's going to be, you know, just uh, – they'll get a sense of what Detroit hockey is all about, these the, the, new, the new kids uh, just uh, by, by being at the Belfort Center with all those fans. But I guess my question is this. Do you – it seems today you're right. Kids are more serious. They all seem to have their own nutritionist. They all seem to have their own strength and conditioning coach. What is the protocol? Do you already have a generalization of a plan that you want to put all these new draft picks on and then look back at the previous draft picks and make sure that they're doing it the way that you wanted to do it? What exactly now um, does your job entail? Well, quite honestly, not a lot. Uh, I was at the Combine last week, and uh, I was given a list by Kenny Holland and, and Tyler Wright of the prospects that you know we possibly want to draft. So there's 25 or 30 guys on the list that I would go through and watch, and um, you know just evaluate and, and, and take the data and, and uh, you know put it into a one-page synopsis on, on each guy, and uh, that was it for you know this. Uh, crop, but last year's crop, I, I did the same thing, and then all of a sudden you end up drafting these guys and bring them in, into your system. That's when I can start to work with them a little bit more. Uh, but up in that till that point, until they're really actually with the team, it's more of the player development guy. So Sean Horkoff, Dan Cleary, those guys work more so with with the prospects in that sense until I see him for four days at a development camp, I give them what, what I wanted to have, and then they go away and they work with their trainers or they will you know, stay in touch with Sean and that sort of thing. So that's kind of the only involvement I, I have um, at that level until they, they make the team and then, you know, you're working with guys uh, all day, every day, right? Right. Well, you know, I, I mean, I, I want to go back just to the combine. You said something that kind of uh, – uh, makes me seem a little bit curious when 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 Kenny and Ryan Martin and, and the powers that be Tyler Wright when when they hand you a list of players do they have specific things they for each player that they want to know about saying I want to know you know what his strength level is or is it a generalization or when you're watching these kids are you eval evaluating each of them separately or is there just uh, you know, you know what to look for, and there's like seven or eight things, uh, variables that every hockey player needs to have, and that's what you're looking at. Mm -hmm. uh, I evaluate them individually, but within their peers, uh, because you're always going to have, with 100 kids, you're going to have, have 100 different scores. So you can find your averages, uh, you can find your top one, two, three, four, five guys, and where do they fit within those top five guys, right? So there's uh, that type of evaluation. Um, but let's be honest, these are young kids, and, and they're learning, and, and uh, you're just you're looking at their potential. Like, how much potential do they have? Uh, what's their frame like? How big are they? Can they put a little bit more mass on? Can they still stay fast and strong? Uh, for me, the combines, when I go, you know, they've got all this mishmash of different, uh, like a vertical jump and a broad jump and a wind gate and a VO2. For me, I always you know, I always walk in and and uh, I don't know if I'm not always the I always think I'm on time, but there's uh, the room's filled up by the time I get there, so all these seats are gone. But the seat is always there that I want, which is right in the middle, um, <laughs> watching the agility run. 
and for me, it's like it's it's a five ten five. So they they have a start line. They have to run five uh, yards to the right, back ten yards, and then finish back through to the right again with five yards. So a five ten five. To me, it, it just like I can I can get all the scores of how high they can jump, how long they can jump. But I want to see them move. I want to see, are they athletic? I want to see their face. Do they grind their teeth because they're trying so hard to get to that finish line? Or are they just kind of going through it? So there's a lot that I take from it. I take the physical numbers, but then I just take you know the emotions of the athlete at the time. Yeah, I'm going to mention two players, and I'm not saying the Red Wings are going to draft them. And you know, the, I mean, if you look at mock drafts, you know they're you know they're going to draft you know every player available is on somebody's list. It seems like that Detroit's right. going to take. But let, let let me ask you about two because they're kind of the the mutton Jeff of it, so to speak. And that I know that I don't mean that in a derogatory nature. But you have Quinn Hughes, who's not the biggest guy, and then you have Evan Bouchard, who's six foot two. Uh, when you're evaluating them, do you know that their scores are going to be differently, or because, uh, and you know, wide range because bigger people might be a little bit slower than smaller people, or whatever? I mean, I know I'm talking out of my, uh, you know, off the top of my head here. Or do, when you look at a, a player that quote unquote, like a Joe Hicketts or somebody who's on a small, the, the smaller side of the scale, that they have to really do certain things extraordinarily well in order to be noticed. Yeah, you know, if you asked me the same question ten years ago, I would have taken the bigger guy probably all day long. Really? Yeah, j- just because it was about size and it was about body position and, and strength and puck possession and now it's about speed and moving the puck and and you don't have to be a big guy it'd be great if you could but if you got a, a smaller guy that's extremely agile and quick and, and, and a heads up play player type um why would you not take that guy either and i think the way the game's evolving um you know i don't think there's as much hitting as there used to be um, I don't know the stats. I don't know if there's as much fighting as there used to be. Uh, I think it's a quicker game, and 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 uh, whether you know, I guess it really depends on who you talk to. If you if you're talking to a coach, uh, Coach Blashill, he, you know, he'd probably want a big guy that that you know can can move the puck well and skate well and all that kind of stuff, right? And and, right. and handle bodies in front of a net. Um, but then the next coach might, you know, what I want this guy because like I look at that uh, Cody Eakins that. Uh, played for Vegas this year. Uh, I thought he was awesome. He competed hard. He battled in corners. Uh, and, and he could skate and play the game, right? And, he, mm. and he's competing against big guys. Uh, you know, like uh, he's competing against Brooks Orpik, who's twice his size and, and still showing battle. So um, I think it's kind of all over the place. I think you just, you take the, you know, you make your, your, um, do you do your due diligence on, on guys and, and I don't think you can really take a lot of the combine information and 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 put a heavy weight on it in terms of a deciding factor on which kid you want to get or not get like I think Calgary drafted a kid was it that Sam Bennett that couldn't do two pull-ups right 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 now I, don't, I haven't followed his career but I think he's still in the league and I think he's a pretty darn good player I think right but Maybe I'm wrong. So you can't really hinge everything based off of what you're seeing with these kids at 17 years old. You're hopefully they've got enough to get into the league, 
and develop and stay in the league and have a long, lengthy career of whatever it is, right? That's that's what you're hoping for with these kids. And, and you're just hoping that they can contribute and they're, they're a good kid and, and a good team guy and, and uh, they contribute to the team's success. Uh, I, I want to wrap it up because I want to move on to the Red Wings, but I did just just to make sure that I guess that I'm clear. So when development camp uh, happens here uh, in Detroit this year at the Belfort Center on the, 20, the 26th through the 30th, do you when these kids leave on the 30th after they play their so the the red and white scrimmage or whatever, you um. Uh, you don't give them a program per se or anything, right? You, you know, you, if they ask you, maybe you offer some tips. But basically, your 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 main focus is the Red Wings. I mean, once they're on that team, uh, then you really hone in on on them as a uh, as a specimen, so to speak. Correct. Yep. Correct. So I I only see him for that short amount of time. So uh, you know, three or four days, and and, it, and it's more education than anything. And and you know, they go through the systems, they go through my expectations, they go through Lisa McDowell's expectations and nutrition, and there, I'm sure there's some social media stuff that they cover. Uh, so they've got it's it's all education at this point. It's just them soaking it in with having a little bit of fun. Um, you know, going to ball games and, and seeing different things around the city, and and uh, and that's really all it is at that point. And then they go back with their trainers, and and if it's somebody that we're really interested in, I'm sure Kenny Holland would say, "Hey, uh, this kid, I want you to stay in touch with him and, and see who his trainer is, and this and that." So I'm under the direction of the GM and, and the head coach, and and um, if they want me to do that, like this summer, for example, and, and they're not prospects anymore, but um, you know, Blash wants me to go out and visit some of our players that uh, were here last year just to make sure that they're on the right uh, program and they're doing the right thing and and by the time they get here in uh, in august they're going to be um ready to ready to roll right so um but in terms of prospects yeah no i i don't have a lot to do with them uh until hopefully that next long year when they can actually make the club is michael rasmussen one of those guys or well, I, I think that's uh, that's a question for Kenny, but uh, I, I I think so. Anything you, you read and hear is is about him. You know, he's a big player, some good size, and, and some good skill. So who who doesn't want that, right? Right. Well, and who, who who wouldn't want to protect that? And make sure uh, he's doing the right thing because it's you know he's a player that that does would obviously be special to the team and and. Uh, and something you have to remember, too, it's like uh, at some point these guys are going to make a lot of money, and you, you're trying to protect your investments. So you're trying to make sure they're doing the right stuff. And they're not getting hurt along the way. And, um, you know, I, I'm sorry. I just, I've been in the league for so long that I, I think of players at one point, uh, Adam Deadmarsh, um, Ziggy Palfi, and Jason Allison, if you can remember those well, three. Oh, yeah, definitely. They were all making about $10 million a year back then. And there was $30 million sitting in the stands. And were there things that we could have done to prevent that? Maybe. I don't know. It was a long time ago. But I guess my point is you have to do everything you can do in your power to allow these kids to be successful and to make sure they're going about things the right way and staying healthy uh, throughout that whole process. And just let them grow and develop into that player that you want them to be. Um, moving towards the Red Wings, on exit day or picture day, the last day of the season when they take their picture, clean out their lockers, and everyone goes their separate ways, do you meet with individual players? Do you give them each a physical fitness routine you would like to see them do? Or by that time, they're so used to you, they know exactly what to do? 
You, you know what? I used to. I used to, and then what I found out that uh, you would hand out all these uh, workout programs, and and it, it, I think it's even more changing and evolving even more so now. It was kind of the one third rule, where one third of the guys would do your program, one third wouldn't, and there'd be a third that would do a combination of yours and somebody else's. Now it's like everybody has their own guy. So there's no, unless somebody comes to me on the exit meeting and, and says, Mike, I would love to have a program. I'd love to work with you. Um, can you send me something? Then yes. Uh, other than that, I, I leave it up to them. I stay in touch with the player and hopefully I can uh, get in contact with their trainer and we can talk about the player and what uh, my thoughts are in terms of getting him to maybe take that next step and, uh, and to get better and then just have that open dialogue uh, about that athlete and, you know, obviously with the athlete. Uh, I- I guess one one question because I kind of tease him a little bit about this. Danny DeKaiser will never gain any weight, no matter what he does, right? Uh yeah. You know, it's it's interesting that way. And and Danny's not the only one in the league. Like there, there's all body types, right? Um, uh, and, and Danny's one of those kind of guys where he has a hard time keeping weight on. A new and emerging field is is genetics and, and DNA and, and DNA fitness. Um, and, and I don't think it's quite there yet, but uh, I've done personal kits myself. And, you know, you just swab the cheek and you send it in and, and, and they come back and it evaluates how you are. Is, you know, how uh, are you adaptive? Are you normal? Or are you gifted uh, in VO2 or blood flow or muscular strength or muscular power? I really think the game is kind of heading that way. And, I, and can you imagine if you had that information, right? So if you right. have the information in front of you and you're looking at somebody like, like Danny that, uh, you know, that can't keep the weight on or, or whatever it is. But if it's, you know, if, if you could find something like that within his DNA, and, and the only way I, I look at it is I link it to fitness into training. So maybe Danny was so aerobic that his anaerobic power struggle so you might have an idea about it but can you imagine if you could actually link the two together and wouldn't that change everything in the way you you would uh prescribe your programs and your protocols and how you would go about you know those particular things oh yeah so that's kind of where i'm at um, I'm always kind of looking for the new interesting things that, uh, that are out there, whether it's technology or this type of thing. And, and again, I don't think it's, it's quite there yet, but it's coming. It's certainly coming. And, and, uh, I think there's, there's probably more athletes that are doing it now than what you'd probably think. Right. Uh, one, one, one final question. I really wanted to, I, I, I know you've got an app coming out and you know, we, we don't have much time left in, and I hate to rush you through this, but, uh, tell us about about Core Sticks and what that's all about, and if people want to contact you and uh, you know maybe order some equipment or whatever, what what do they need to do? Uh, yeah, we just go online and, and look up Core Sticks. It's c o r e s t i x dot com. And uh, I thought of this whole idea about fifteen years ago, and it's it's basically what we've done is we've compacted all the pieces of equipment in a gym and, and and put it into one apparatus, and and it's functional training in an upright position, and and it's kind of like bow flex, but not really. They're rods that flex. Uh, you, you position the rods in different holes for different body positions, but it's an all-in-one. It's an all-encompassing. Uh, we've hit many markets from the consumer. Uh, big surprise for us is rehab right now is becoming uh, extremely popular for us. We have a wheelchair-accessible board where uh, 
wheelchairs can just roll right up and do all the exercises and and uh, so that's going well for us and then i, I you know I, I don't have enough on my plate <laughs> i uh, i had this whole app idea and uh i was extremely lucky enough to meet this individual that introduced me to uh, a prof at the university of michigan and uh, in their computer science area and uh, i guess they uh, look for projects for students to complete to you know get uh, credits to graduate so i reached out to this prof and uh told him my idea and he's like well can you come in and present i said i'd like to but we're at camp right now and this was a couple years ago and uh, he said like well i'll read it in front of the class and we'll see what happens so he ended up doing that. There was a, a kid from the Czech Republic that liked it but couldn't get a team together. So then, uh, you know, I thought he was dead in the water, and, and uh, he ended up reading it again to another class. And, and there are four kids from the University of Michigan that loved the idea and decided to develop it for me. So that was two years ago, and, and we're just getting ready to launch in the next, hopefully, couple months. But um, it did win an award for the uh, for the university, is uh, whatever it was. Uh, I can't recall what the exact award was for, but it was first place for for um, you know putting this app together and, and how it worked and, and its functionality. And uh, there's one programmer that stayed on. The other three have, have kind of moved on with their lives. And, and John Calhoun uh, is our main. Uh, programmer and uh, he's doing a fabulous job and he's kind of doing it all on his own and uh, you know we're all we're almost there so hopefully we can watch that in a, a couple months and see what happens all right well best of luck uh, Mike I, we're gonna have to have you, you on I'm gonna I think I'm really thinking about doing a show with you and Lisa together up in training camp uh, for, for a podcast I think it would be great uh, best of luck I appreciate your time so much and uh, uh, just have a great day, and thanks again for being on the Red and White Authority. Really appreciate it. Hey, thank you. I appreciate your time. Have a great day.